me over to the book of Jude this morning. The book of Jude. Praise the Lord. We have taught you two lessons from the book of Jude. The first lesson was about two hours and 30 minutes. Now, I don't anticipate keeping you two hours and 30 minutes this morning. But it took us about two hours and 30 minutes, the first lesson that we covered. We did an exposition on the book of Jude verse by verse, okay? And uh, the second lesson was Wandering Stars. And I understand that's quite popular on YouTube. Amen. Uh, I will say this, I'm responsible to declare the Word of God. That's all I'm responsible for. I'm not responsible for the responses. Okay, amen. So we thank God, amen, for His Word. The third message this morning will be the prophecy of Enoch. The prophecy of Enoch. Amen. Which brings us to another book that is not in the Bible. It is called the book of Enoch. But evidently it has authoritative words in it. Because Jude mentions this book in his epistle. And so therefore, although it is not a part of the canon of Scripture, what I mean by that, it is not a part of the 66 books of the New Testament, of the Bible that you have, the King James Version. Okay? So if you were to go through the Bible, just read, look at 66 books, you will not see a book called the Book of Enoch. But evidently, it is a book that has inspiration from God in it. So it isn't, if you'll understand it, it is a book that is inspired by God, but it is not canonized. Okay? It's inspired prophecy, but it's not included in the Bible that we have. Do you understand that? So what Jude does is he goes to his bookshelf, he pulls the book of Enoch basically off of his bookshelf, and he quotes from that book a prophecy that Enoch spoke. And so today, the prophecy of Enoch. So if you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Jude, please. And we will read this prophecy. All right, beginning with verse 14, Jude makes reference then to Enoch. He says, And Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have ungodly committed and of all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we come before You right now. We ask Your blessing to be upon the reading of Your Holy Word. Give us the inspiration, the anointing to declare it for Your glory and honor in these last days. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Alright, the book of Jude talks about the church of the last time. So, specifically what is happening in the book of Jude is a warning about the end times. What the church is going to be like. And Jude is talking about these intruders that will come into the body of Christ. Now, the Bible says that they, they creep in unawares. That's verse 4. They're going to creep in unawares. That means they're coming in from the outside. Okay? They're going to come in, and when they come in, it looks like they're okay. But after a while, you're going to find out that there's some real problems with these people. And so these they're intruders is what they are. Now, 
Jude explains in the first verses of his epistle what these intruders believe, what they're teaching, and their lifestyle. Okay? What they are teaching, what they believe by their lifestyle is that it is okay to live in sexual immorality. You with me? And they put the grace of God on it. So what that means is that they're going to say, okay, the grace of God covers sexual sin. So, you know, just keep living in that sin. It's okay. God will forgive you. He'll look over it by grace or whatever. All right? Now, if you come to God and you repent of that sin and you turn from that sin, God will forgive you. But that's not what they were saying. They were saying it was okay to continue in that kind of lifestyle. Okay? Amen. And so they were given license to an ungodly, unholy lifestyle. The Bible goes on and says that they denied the Lord Jesus Christ. That means they deny His deity with their words, but also by the actions of their life, they deny Him because they refuse to live a holy life. Okay? So basically what they're doing is they are pushing against the commandments of God. All right? They are refusing to obey the commandments of God. And they are leading many people astray. And so, as you read through here, the Bible tells us, Jude says, to contend for the faith. Let's go over here and look at the verse. Verse 3. Last part of the verse says, Contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. For there are certain men crept in unawares who were before of old ordained to this condemnation. Ungodly men. Say, ungodly men. Turning the grace of our God unto what? Lasciviousness. That means a license. So they're using grace as an excuse for the immorality of their life. He goes on and then says, and denying the only Lord God and our Lord Jesus Christ. They do that by denying His full deity and also by this ungodly lifestyle that they practice, but they make excuse for that ungodly lifestyle by using the term grace. Okay? The Bible tells us that Jude gives us some examples of these kinds of individuals. First of all, he talks about Israel. When Israel came out of Egypt, verse 5, it says, afterward they were destroyed when they believed not. So it talks about, it says they came out, they were saved, they were delivered, but when they believed not, that means, what did they do? They backslid away from God. And God said when they backslid away from Him, that he destroyed them in the wilderness. Okay? Second example he gives is Sodom and Gomorrah. Look at it. Are you with me? Or I should say the second one is angels which kept not their first estate. The third one is Sodom and Gomorrah. Verse 6, the angels which kept not their first estate. Now keep this in mind, alright? We have angels here that kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He hath reserved an everlasting change under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Now, so he's talking about angels here. And uh, Enoch, the book of Enoch, makes reference to these angels. Now, the Bible says that they left not, they, they held not their first position. They did not stay in their order. They did not stay in their place. Genesis 6 talks about this when it happened. Now, these angels that were in heaven, now this is, Really, why, way out there for some people. Some people have a hard time accepting this, 
but this is reality. This is biblical, okay? These angels, the Bible calls them the sons of God, the Benei Elohim in the Hebrew, in the heavens, Genesis 6, they looked down and they saw the daughters of men. These daughters of men, of course, were very beautiful. And these angels looked down and saw the daughters of men and they fell. Okay? They left their first estate, their place in God, their order in God. They left that place, that position, and they came down and they copulated with the daughters of men, Genesis 6, and it says that as a result of that, giants were born to them. The Bible calls them the Nephilim. The English is translated, but the Hebrew Nephilim. Now, throughout the world, there are all over the world, South America, in Babylon, etc., places where there are giants that have been discovered. Huge giants, 8, 10 feet, in height, bones, skeletons have been found and tombs where these giants were buried. All over the world we have the evidence of these giants and so they were the offspring of these angels and the daughters of men. Okay, you with me here? And so that's what's being referred to here. We'll talk a little bit about that today. But Jude is also citing Enoch here when he says that they are reserved in everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. In Genesis chapter 6, when the Bible says, when they came down to the daughters of men, copulated with the daughters of men, and offspring giants were born to them, the Bible does not tell us there that they would be reserved in the chains of darkness forever. Where does Jude get that? He gets that from the book of Enoch. And we'll go there in just a minute when we look at the prophecy of Enoch. So it's really strange stuff, all right? You with me here? Now, um, maybe if you have on your uh, TV, if you have a series called Ancient Aliens or whatever, it's the History Channel, I believe, oftentimes they talk about these giants and these Nephilim, these ones that came down and cohabitated with the daughters of men. They call them the gods came down and cohabitated with the daughters of men and produced these offspring called giants. So you'll see more about that if you'd like to. These are, there's a lot of tradition in this, but it is Bible. It did happen. Okay? Now, God says as a result of them leaving their place and coming down and cohabitating with the daughters of men, like that, they were reserved into everlasting darkness. The darkest of the darkest place is reserved for those fallen angels. He goes on and then says, he talks about Sodom and Gomorrah in verse 7. Even as Sodom and Gomorrah and the cities about them in like manner, giving themselves over to fornication, and going after strange flesh are set forth for an example, suffering the vengeance of eternal fire. So just like the fallen angels came down, we have angel flesh, if you will. Okay, I'm going to use that term loosely. Coming down to human flesh, mingling, intermingling, angel flesh with human flesh, daughters of women, uh, daughters of men, and creating these giants he says, likewise, Sodom and Gomorrah, they were involved in this intermingling of strange flesh. We know the story behind Sodom and Gomorrah. Men with men, women with women, men with beast, women with beast, vile. Okay? And so that's what he's talking about. As a result of that lifestyle then, Sodom and Gomorrah was burned with fire. 
So what we have is we have a group of people then that are coming in the church that are just like the Israelites that fell in the wilderness. They backslid. And they're leading people astray. They're just like the fallen angels. They left the order of God, the position of God. Came down to the daughters of men, cohabitated with strange, uh, strange flesh. Amen? Sodom and Gomorrah, the lifestyle that was there. These ungodly intruders are bringing this into the church. And they're saying this kind of lifestyle, this strange sexual encounters is okay. And that the grace of God will cover that. So God has given us three examples in history about what happened to people who left the order of God. Then he goes from there. He talks about three individuals that are like them. He says, first of all, are you with me here? Verse 11, Woe unto them, for they have gone the way of Cain, and ran greedily after the heir of Balaam for the reward, and perished in the gainsaying of Korah. So he said, they're like Cain, they're like Balaam, and they're like Korah. All right? And we just we, we taught you about that uh, not long ago, uh, a few weeks ago. Now, Cain rebelled against the order of God. You with me? And he brought his own sacrifice. He's trying to come to God his own way, and God judged him for that. He was a rebel. He rebelled against God. He rebelled against the law of God and tried to come his own way. Balaam led people astray by telling the people of Israel to cohabitate with the daughters of Moab. So he led them astray with his teaching. Okay, Korah was a rebel. He rebelled against the authority of God as seen in Moses. And when he rebelled against Moses, it was more than just rebelling against Moses. He was rebelling against the, the law that had to do with the fringes on the garments, the talit. He did not like that law. He didn't want that law. He rebelled against that law. And then so he rose up against Moses, who is the face of the law. And as a result of that, the Bible says the earth opened up and they went straight down to hell because of their rebellion against God's order and authority. Okay? And so what Jude is saying is this is what these people are like. Historically, these are examples in the Bible, Cain, Balaam, and Korah, of these very individuals. Now, he goes on and says, and I'm moving pretty fast, I'm sorry, but listen to that message that, that we broke it down in detail. Uh, verse uh, 12 says this, These are spots in your feast of charity. They're like what they are, he says, they're like, Reefs underneath the water. Now the Bible says spots, but that's not a good translation. They're like rocks that are hidden under the water. Okay, So you go through the water, you think you're okay, and then all of a sudden you hit them and you're destroyed. He said that's what kind of people they are. They are destructive to your life. They are dangerous to your life. Okay. Then he goes on and talks about, he said, where are you going to find them? You're going to find them at the love feast. You're going to find them right there in the table of the Lord, in the church service, right there among you, acting like they're a part of you. Okay, so on one level, these intruders on one level want to appear like they believe in God. On one level, they will say, we believe in God and we're fellowshipping with you at the communion table. But on a deeper level, they are in rebellion against the commandments of God. 
So they're very dangerous people. He goes on, he says, they're like uh, shepherds. It says, feeding themselves without fear. This is a reference to being a shepherd. So these teachers come to you and they, they want to speak things into your life, but they are tr to lead you astray and to mislead you and to take you away from the faith. And their motive is not about you, it's about themselves. Okay, so let's go a little bit further here. Uh, they are without fear. They are clouds without water. Carried about with the winds, trees whose fruit withereth, without fruit, twice dead, plucked up by the roots, raging waves of the sea, foaming at their own shame, wandering stars. So four things here. With me? Four things in nature. He said, number one, he said they are what? Clouds without water. Number two, well, trees whose fruit withereth without fruit. Raging waves, foaming out their own shame, wandering stars. So we have a reference to the air, clouds. We have a reference to the earth, trees. We have a reference to what else? The sea, the raging waves. What else? Wandering stars, heaven. So you've got a natural, you've got a reference to these people. They're like something that's going on in the earth, something on that's going on in the air, something that's going on in the sea, and something that's going on in the heavens. And what's he saying? He said they're clouds without rain. They're trees without fruit. He said they're way, uh, raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. He says they're wandering stars. That means they're out of their orbit. They're out of their place. They're rebelling against the order of the commandments of God. Amen. They're doing their own thing. Basically, when he used these four illustrations, he's saying they're promising things that they're not producing. They claim to be anointed by the Spirit. They claim to be prophesying by the Spirit. But there's no real validity there. Okay? So they are very dangerous people. They're out of their place. They're out of their orbit. They're in rebellion against the natural order of God. Okay? Now I'm saying that to you for a reason. Okay? God is warning you in the last days about these kinds of individuals. Letters in the ancient culture. Now I'm getting, now I'm getting to my message. Letters in the ancient culture, number one, they could be advisory letters. So when Jude is writing this letter, it's an advisory letter. And what he's saying is, you compare one, one's action over against another. And when you see that this action is wrong, he says, I'm advising you to stay away from that. Okay? To acknowledge the wrong that is there. Another one is a, a sensory type letter. And this one falls in that category as well. A sensory letter is this. A letter that's written... And it's showing you the bad character of an individual. And in that letter, the letter is censoring those people. And they are saying, stay away from this kind of individual. Do not give an ear to them. Do not give ear to them. And do not let them have place in your life. So the book of Jude is a letter of advice. And it's a letter of censor. It's warning you about the danger of being led astray by these kinds of individuals. 
Say amen. Now, when we look at this letter as a whole, he talks about specifically these four areas of nature, the air, the earth, the sea, and the heavens. What is interesting is that when we look at the prophecy of Enoch, and here we go, okay? Chapter 2 through chapter 5 of the book of Enoch. And I have it right here. It's not in your Bible, but I have it right here, okay? Chapter 2 and chapter 5 deal with these different four areas. The sea, the earth, the air, and the heavens. And uh, chapter 2 through 5 of Enoch, first Enoch, it talks about how these, all of these are in their rightful place and they're in order. They're doing what God commanded them to do. They're doing what they're supposed to do. They're in their place. They're not rebelling against God. They're, they're in the proper order. That's chapter 2 to chapter 5. But then at the end of Enoch, in First Enoch chapter 80, he talks about people in the last days that will not stay in their order. So what Jude is doing is he's making a reference to Enoch, 1 Enoch chapter 80, how that they will not stay in their order. And so what he's saying is, this is what you can look for in the last days. He said, normally the stars would be in their place. And you can get direction from those stars because they're staying in their orbit, in their place. He says, but in the last days, and again, we're moving into chapter 80 of Enoch, where everything is out of order in the last days. He said, there's coming a time when you cannot get direction for your life by looking at those stars. Now, he's talking about human beings. He's talking about people at one time, they were in order, they were in their rightful place, and you, you could get direction from, from them for your life. But when they get out of their order, out of their orbit, he says what's going to happen is you cannot get direction from those kinds of people. So in Enoch 80, he talks about in the last days what it's going to be like. The stars are going to be out of their orbit. Okay? He talks about the clouds in the last days. When you look up and you see the clouds coming in, he said it's not going to have rain. There's going to be massive famine that hits the world in the last days. And you're going to see the clouds coming in the sky, but there's not going to be any rain. He goes on and he says, where it would normally be hot, it's going to be cold. Where it's normally be cold, he said, it's going to be hot. He said, you're going to get into a time in the last days where there's going to be extremes. Extreme cycles of, of, of heat. Extreme heat. Heat that is beyond the normal temperature. Enoch says in the 80th chapter of Enoch, he said it's going to be extreme temperatures. Extremely hot for a long period of time. Or extremely cold for a long period of time. He goes on and he says that the trees have a certain cycle that they produce fruit, certain seasons, that they produce fruit. He said, but in the last days, when you go to the trees, when they would normally be producing fruit, he said, they won't be producing fruit. Basically, what Enoch says is that everything 
is going to be completely upside down in the last days. He's letting you know that it's going to get crazy. Now, this is what Jude's talking about. He's talking about clouds without rain. He's talking about trees that don't produce fruit. He's talking about waves of the sea that roar and, and they just throw up the dirt. He talks about the wandering stars that are out of their orbits. He's getting that right out of the book of Enoch. Because the first two, uh, chapter 2 through 5 talks about all of those things being in order. But then Enoch says in chapter 80, this is what's going to be in the last days. Everything is going to be completely and totally chaotic. And he says, it's not just talking about natural things, but they are metaphors or symbolic of people. People are going to be completely whacked out. What you would normally see in somebody, you're not going to see. You see faithfulness in one person for a while, and all of a sudden, they're no longer faithful. Are y'all here today? It's going to be completely turned upside down. Where you can be led astray if you're not careful by these kinds of individuals. It is going to be a mess. And so this is what Jude is talking about. But he's talking about these people that will come into your church that are backslidden. And they will eventually apostatize from the faith of Jesus Christ. Alright, y'all with me here? If, you're, if you are, say praise the Lord. Now I think I'll do this. I know it's, it may take me a little longer to do this, but I'm going to show you what I'm talking about. And I'm going to go over here and... It's going to slow me down quite a bit, but... Uh, Okay, chapter 2, verse 1 of Enoch. Observe ye everything that takes place in heaven, how they do not change their orbits. And the luminaries which are in heaven, how they all rise and set in order, each in its season, and transgress not against their appointed order. Behold ye the earth, and give heed to the things which take place upon it from first to last. How steadfast they are, how none of these upon the earth change, but all the works of God appear to you. Behold the summer and the winter, how the whole earth is filled with water and clouds and dew and rain and lie upon it. Observe and see how in winter all the trees seem as though they had withered and shed all their leaves except fourteen trees which do not lose foliage but retain old foliage from two to three years till newcomers. Again observe ye the days of summer, how the sun is above the earth over against it. And you seek shade and shelter by reason of heat of the sun, and the earth also burns with glowing heat, and so you cannot tread on the earth or on a rock by reason of heat. Observe you how the trees cover themselves with green. So anyway, basically chapter 2 through 5, he's talking about how this order is in place. But just like Jude makes reference to it, he said there's coming a time when that's all going to change. Okay? Now, let me get that. All right, this is a reference here to First Enoch 80. Okay, you with me here? All right. Now, what we have here in, in 1 Enoch 80, uh, he's talking about how when nature now in contrast to chapter 2 through 5, that nature is completely out of order. Now I want you to listen. This is what the last days are going to be like. 
Okay, 1 Enoch 80 does not include reference to the sea, but we should notice a close parallel to 1 Enoch 80 in the Divine Institutes of Lactanitus, written at the beginning of the 4th century A.D., but drawing on older apocalyptic sources. Now what he's doing is he's talking about a writing in the 4th century by this man, Lactanus. He is referring to Enoch in his writings. Here's what he says. Here's what the last days is going to be like. The air will be and the rain poisoned and will be withered, corrupt and pestilent, and heaven will till at one time from retrain it unseasonable rains of unusual dryness. Now, I know I might sound like I can't read very good, but that's the way it's worded here. Okay? He said there'll be times of excessive cold or, or heat. The earth will, and in those not give her fruit, times the fruit of men. Neither grain the earth will be, nor tree nor vine will late. It will not bear, but rather grow at their, after they have given proper time. And the greatest hope in the fruits of the blossom, they, they trees will be with, with, with will cheat at harvest held at their proper time. Springs and rivers will dry up so they will not provide drink. Waters will be changed to blood and bitterness because of these animals will desert the earth as will birds, the air, and the fishes of the sea. Wondrous. The moon tents in heaven as will changes as well as comets, tails, customary practice, clips of the sun will not be, will not the moon's color appear as it was falling stars will proper. Anyway, he just goes on and on and on and talks about how this very unusual time of chaos in all of these areas. He goes on and says, And many heads forth the sun will the stars be perpetually dark. Command will go, go so that one can astray. These scarcely distinguished will change there between nine courses. And anyway, just, it's a mess to even try to read this, okay, the way it's written now. But he's showing you the chaos and confusion of the last days. So when you study the book of Jude then, and he makes references to these illustrations in history, Israel backsliding in the wilderness, the angels falling from their proper place of order. We have Sodom and Gomorrah giving themselves to strange flesh and the judgments of God coming. We have Cain and his rebellion. We have Balaam leading people astray. We have Korah in his rebellion against God's authority and people being led astray by him. Then he talks about, amen, this time when these people are going to come in and they have the same spirit of rebellion and they are pushing against the law of God. It's a warning to the church. So he actually lists these four areas uh, here in his scripture. The clouds without rain. The Bible says here, clouds without water. Uh, trees without fruit. Trice plucked up by the roots. Raging waves of the sea foaming out their own shame. Wandering stars to whom is reserved the blackness of darkness forever. Now, Enoch then, he, he quotes Enoch's prophecy. Okay? But before I get there, I want to go back to the fallen angels. So go back to Jude verse 6. The angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation. He had reserved an everlasting chains under darkness unto the judgment of the great day. Right? He is quoting the book of Enoch. Genesis 6 is the scripture, but Enoch gives the details. Okay? Now, 
What I need to do, though, is I need to break down the book of Enoch for you, so because we're not familiar with this. I'm not real familiar with the book of Enoch, but I'm spending time so we can understand the Word of God, okay? Here is the way the book of Enoch is broke down. In the earliest layers of First Enoch, we have two apocalypses. So the first part of the book, two apocalypses. Apocalypse means revelation. It's something that's happened in the end times. Okay? The first apocalypse is called the Apocalypse of Weeks. Now, that's in the early part of the book of Enoch. And what that does is it covers the history of man and it predicts the history of man from the beginning all the way to the coming of the Lord. Okay, you with me? So that's the first part of Enoch. And then in chapter 6 through 36, you have the second apocalypse, which is called the book of the watchers. Now the book of the watchers gives you the detail, the details about what happened in Genesis 6 when the angels came down from heaven and cohabitated with the daughters of men and uh, had sexual relationships with them and giants were born. Enoch 6 is quoted by Jude in verse 6. Okay? Now we'll get to that in just a little bit. Um, also, these angels, when they fell, not only did they cohabitate with the daughters of men, but they gave forbidden knowledge to man to lead them astray. They taught them how to make weapons of war. Taught them how to mind. Okay? So taught them how to make weapons of war to kill each other. They taught them how to mine. To mine for gold and silver and things like that because they wanted man to be greedy. They taught man astrology. They taught man sorcery. They taught women cosmetics. And these cosmetics uh, that these women were taught was used to lead men astray, entice them, and ensnare them. Now, God did not teach a woman how to put on cosmetics. That came from the fallen ones. Okay? Now, I'm not going to get into all, all, you know, what that's all about. But for example, when a woman puts lipstick on her lips, and I'm not trying to offend anybody here today, that's not why I'm telling you this, but you need to know. When a woman puts lipstick on her, on her lips, it makes her lips look larger, bigger, voluptuous. Uh, that's what, when a woman is, is in a sexual arousal, her lips swell. And so that's why they'll, they'll enhance the lips to make look like they're being aroused sexually. This is to ensnare, uh, ensnare a man. You are not led by the Spirit of God if you give in to this stuff. This is what backsliders do. This is what the people of the world do. This is what apostates do. Is they will put these cosmetics on. It did not come from God. It came from the fallen ones. Including the book of Enoch, uh, we have the heavenly, heavenly luminaries. They chart out the movement of the sun and the moon. Okay? For the mapping of a liturgical calendar. Also included in the book of Enoch, you have a book called Dreams and Visions. It's the allegory of human history. 
using animals to depict the uh, different figures and ethnic groups. Also in the book of Enoch, you have the letter of Enoch, and that's for in instruction. And then number six, you have the parables of Enoch, which has to do with the Son of Man. Jesus is called the Son of Man in the Scripture. Okay, So that's basically the book of Enoch. That's how it's laid out. Now, I've already talked to you a little bit about the first part of Enoch in those first six chapters where God has placed everything in order and everything is doing what it's supposed to do. I talked to you about the 80th chapter of Enoch, how all of that's going to be upturned in the last days. And that's what you can get ready to see. Is extreme weather patterns. Extreme hot, extreme cold. Okay, Earthquakes. Uh, hurricanes. Like you have never seen before in your life. Devastation like you have never seen. The, the harvest of fruits, the harvest of food is going to be devastated in the end times. The heavens are going to be affected as well. Not just the, earth, the air, but the heavens and the clouds, the droughts. This is all coming. And by the way, it's all laid down in the Scripture as well as the book of Enoch. Okay? But when you get to the sixth chapter of the book of Enoch, chapter 6 through 36, you are dealing with the watchers. That's the second apocalypse. And in that book, it is talking about the fallen angels. Okay? Now, these fallen angels, as I said, uh, I'll read it to you right out of the book of Enoch. 6 and 1, it says, And it came to pass when the children of men had multiplied in those days were born unto them beautiful and comely daughters. And the angels, the children of heaven, saw and lusted after them and said to one another, Come, let us choose us wives from among the children of men and beget us children. And Simjazai, who was their leader, said unto them, I fear you will not indeed agree to do this deed, and I alone shall have to pay the penalty of a great sin. And they all answered him and said, Let us all swear an oath and all bind ourselves by mutual imprecations not to abandon this plan, but to do this thing. Then swear they all together and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And they were in all 200 who descended in the days of Jared on the summit of Mount Hermon. And they called it Mount Hermon because they had sworn and bound themselves by mutual imprecations upon it. And these are the names of their leaders. And it gives these all these various names. They're very difficult to pronounce. Um, but how they come down and they cohabitate with the daughters of men. Uh, chapter 7, verse 1. And all the others together with them took unto themselves wives, and each chose for himself one. They began to go in unto them and to defile themselves with them. They caught them charm, or they taught them charms, enchantments, the cutting of roots, made them acquainted with plants, and they became pregnant, and they bare great giants. And then it goes on and says in verse 5, they begin to sin even against birds and beasts and reptiles and fish and to devour one another's flesh and drink blood. The earth laid accusation against the lawless ones. Eight, uh, chapter 8 verse 1, And Isaiah taught men to make swords and knives and shields and breastplates and made known to them the metals and the art of working them, bracelets and ornaments and the use of of, of at antimony and the beautifying of the eyelids and all kinds of costly stones 
and of all coloring tinctures. And there arose much godlessness, and they committed fornication, and they were led astray and became corrupt in all their ways. And one of them, Sinjazi, taught enchantments and root cutting. Gives the name of another one, Ar Armorost, uh, resolving enchantments, and another one, astrology, and on and on it goes. So it talks about these fallen ones. They just bring all of this hidden knowledge to mankind to lead them astray from God. So when Jude makes reference here in verse 6, the angels which kept not their first estate but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of the great day. That is a re reference to Genesis 6 and also the book of Enoch. Now I've already covered with you last week those wandering stars, what happened to them. Enoch tells us See if I can find it here. They were cast out of heaven. They were they they came flying through the heavens, and uh, they landed into the earth for judgment. All right, this is chapter twenty-one. This is what uh, Jude is referring to here about the judgment, okay? Okay, so Enoch, Enoch 6 is talking about, starts talking about these fallen angels. Now, here's the judgment. This is 21, because remember, chapter 6 through 36 deals with these fallen angels in the book of Enoch. Okay, 21.1. And I proceeded to where things were chaotic, and I saw there's something horrible. I saw neither a heaven above nor a firmly founded earth but a place chaotic and horrible. And there I saw seven stars of heaven bound together in it like great mountains burning with fire. Then I said, For what sin are they bound? And on what account have they been cast in hither? Then said Uriel, one of the holy angels, who was with me, and was chief over them, and said, Enoch, why dost thou ask, and why art thou eager for the truth? These are the number of the stars of heaven which have transgressed the commandment of the Lord and are bound here till 10,000 years. The time entailed by their sins are consummated. And from thence I went to another place, which was still more horrible than the former, and I saw a horrible thing, a great fire there which burnt and blazed, and the place was cleft as far as the abyss, being full of great descending columns of fire. Neither its extent or magnitude could I see, nor could I conjecture. Then I said, how fearful is this place and how terrible to look upon. Then Uriah answered me, one of the holy angels who was with me, and said unto me, Enoch, why hast thou such fear and affright? And I answered, because of this fearful place and because of the spectacle of the pain. He said unto me, this place is the prison of the angels, and here they will be imprisoned forever. And so Jude is quoting that scripture about the judgment on these fallen angels. Because nowhere else is that recorded in the Bible. Okay? Amen. So he talks about the fallen angels. He talks about their judgment. Now, the prophecy of Enoch then concerning these uh, apostates that are creeping in to cause danger for the church. Verse 14, look at it. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of these, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds 
which they have ungodly committed and do, and of all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. These are murmurers and complainers walking after their own lust. Their mouths speak of great swelling words, having men's person's admiration because of advantage. Now, so we have here now. Let's slow down just a little bit. Jude is talking about then a prophecy from Enoch. Number one, he calls the man by name. His name is Enoch. Genesis chapter 5 talks about this man. And the Bible says that Enoch walked with God. He walked with God. Unlike these men who did not walk with God. He walked with God, the Bible says, and he was not because God took him. That means he was walking with God on this earth and when he's 365 years of age, Genesis chapter 5 says God took him to heaven. The Bible literally means he went on the other side. And everybody began to look for Enoch. Where is Enoch? What happened to Enoch? He was taken by God into the heavens. He was literally translated from this earth to heaven. So Enoch, he's called by name. He's a historical figure in the book of Genesis chapter 5. He was raptured out of the earth because he walked with God. He was surrounded by ungodliness. And it was right before the flood. Okay. So this man was faithful to God in a very, very difficult time in history. Uh, he is raptured up, as the Bible tells us, and so we have his name given, Enoch. The Bible says that he prophesied. Are you with me? Right? But he's, oh, let me back up just a little bit. He says he was, the, he was the seventh from Adam. Now, why is that significant? So you have the historical Enoch who walked with God. It was not because God took him. He raptured him out of the earth. We have that he prophesied. Enoch prophesied. In the book of Genesis, we don't have a record of Enoch's prophecy. Prophecy is inspired by God. Jude is quoting this prophecy of Enoch. It's not in the canon of Scripture, but it's inspired by God. Because it is a prophecy. Is everybody awake? You understand that? So he is speaking by God authoritatively. Even though it's not in your Bible, it was still a prophecy inspired by God. So, he is the seventh from Adam. He prophesied. So we have Enoch, a literal individual, walked with God, was caught up, Genesis 5. The Bible tells he was the seventh from Adam. Now that's interesting. Why wasn't he the sixth one? Or the fifth one from Adam? He's the seventh one from Adam because he is a picture of the seventh millennium. He's a picture of the, what year is it right now? 2000 what? 2019? So basically, you're in the year 6019. So you've already begun the seventh millennium. You with me here? From Adam to Jesus Christ, 4,000 years. To add 2019 basically to that. You're around, you're around the beginning of the seventh millennium is what I'm trying to show you. And so the seventh from Adam is a prophetic picture of what's going to happen during the seventh millennium of history. You have already, you have already moved in that time. Okay? 
So that the, the fact that he is the seventh from Adam has prophetic significance as well. Now, so we have Enoch, the seventh in Adam. He prophesied, number three, number four, saying. That word saying is used in reference to quoting the Bible. So we have an inspired statement, a prophetic statement that came from God through Adam, a man who walked with God. It was translated. He was the seventh, seventh from Adam. He's a picture of the 7,000th years of man upon the earth, what's going to be like. And you've already started that time frame. Okay, We're in the beginning part of the seventh millennium now. What did he say about these Behold, the Lord cometh with 10,000 of His saints. That's the prophecy. That the Lord is coming back with 10,000 of His saints. Now that is a quote from Enoch chapter 1 verse 9. So let me read the actual prophecy to you. Okay, here it is. Book of Enoch. And this is, again, chapters 1 through 36, which deal with the fallen angels. Here's what he says. Enoch chapter 1, verse 9. And behold, he cometh with 10,000 of his holy ones to execute judgment upon all and to destroy all the ungodly and to convict all flesh of all the works of their ungodliness, which they have ungodly committed, and all of their hard sayings, which ungodly sinners have spoken. So Enoch is, is being, he's prophesying here and Jude is actually quoting that prophecy right out of the book of Enoch. Now where, where did we get the book of Enoch? Well, it was compiled over a period, you know, Enoch's the one that spoke it. But it was compiled and brought together around 200 B.C. And became a book as we know it, the book of Enoch. But Jude is giving the book of Enoch authoritative strength. He's saying that Enoch said this. And so Jude went and got Enoch off his bookshelf and he read that prophecy and he put it right into his Bible. And he said this was inspired by God and this is what's going to happen. He said the Lord is going to come back with ten thousands of his saints. Now what's interesting is that when Enoch records in his writing, Enoch, the prophecy of Enoch, when he records it, he said that God will tread upon the earth. When Jude writes it, he says the Lord is coming back with 10,000 of his saints. So what you what that is so powerful because Enoch is saying is that God is coming to visit the earth. Enoch says, or Jude says, the Lord's coming back, so that Jesus Christ is none less than God Himself. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And he's coming with ten thousands of his saints. This is the, the return of Jesus Christ with, with his people. Amen. Verse 15. Just like Enoch said, to execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them. Now notice this. 
He's coming back. He's coming back with the saints. When he comes back with the saints, the Bible says he's going to execute judgment upon all of the ungodly. And that term ungodly is repeated over and over and over. Okay? So judgment's coming. It's certain. Just like on Korah. Just like on Sodom and Gomorrah. To execute judgment upon all and to convince all that are ungodly among them of their ungodly deeds. So he's going to judge them for their ungodly actions, their deeds, their lifestyle. Okay? Secondarily, he goes on and says, uh, and all their hard speeches, which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So he says, when God come, when Jesus comes back, God comes back in the flesh of the earth, He's going to come back with ten thousands of His saints. And when He does, He's going to execute judgment. It's certain. It's for sure. It is a prophecy. That means it has not happened yet. He said, but it is going to happen. It is of a certainty that this will take place. That the Lord is coming back with ten thousands of His saints. And he's going to execute judgment upon the ungodly, their deeds and their speech against him. Against who? Against God. Now, what does that mean? Well, their deeds, their actions against the law of God. They're in rebellion against the word of God, the commandments of God. They will say that they believe in God on the surface but they push against God's order against God's command against God's authority so even though on the surface they appear to be godly deep down they're not okay and so he's telling us their deeds here then what are their deeds their deeds are to be in rebellion against the commandments of God. Disobeying God's commands, doing what they want to do, how they want to do it. They are more concerned about men's opinions and decisions than they are the will of God. Alright? So in their actions, they are ungodly. And then it says, all their hard speeches which ungodly sinners have spoken against Him. And He explains this. He said, they are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words. And really, I like one translation that says, they're loud mouth boasters. So these murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lust. Their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. Alright? So this is the way they speak. They murmur. They murmur. And the Bible says they complain. Now, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10, this was the major sin for Israel. God saved them, brought them out of Egypt, delivered them by His blood. They're walking through the wilderness. And all they do is murmur and complain and gripe. 
And God said in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that murmuring and complaining is equal to idolatry. And because of their murmuring and complaining, they were slain in the wilderness. Now it wasn't that they just that they were having a bad day and you know they were voicing this is just a, just a horrible day. It wasn't like that. The complaining was against the word of God. They were rebelling against the word of God. They were pushing against the commandments of God. They didn't want to obey that. They wanted to do their own thing. They wanted to be free. These are the, these are the spirit of these people. They are free roaming spirits. They didn't want to be subjected to the Word of God or the will of God. And so like Korah, he rebelled against Moses. But it wasn't, brothers and sisters, these church, these people coming into the church, it wasn't that they were in, a, in, a, in just a fuss with the leadership of the church. It was much more than that. Moses was the face of God's commandments. And when they rebelled against God's commandments and they murmured against Moses, they were rebelling against not just a man. They weren't speaking and slandering just a man. They were rebelling against God's Word, His commandments. So the murmuring and complaining that he's talking about in Israel's history was like Korah getting together and saying, you know, well, we don't like this... Uh, this law concerning the, the fringes and all of that, you know, we don't want that. You know, they, he was pushing against God's Word. They, he, they didn't like this, the, the, what God required by His commandments, the way that you were supposed to live. They didn't want that. They wanted to do their own thing. And what God is saying in the last days is you're going to have people that are going to be like this. They don't want to live according to the high moral standard that Jesus Christ requires. And they push against that standard by their lifestyle and by their words that come out of their mouth, boasting and, and just full of swelling words. But it was more than them speaking against leadership. They were speaking against the commandments of God of which the leadership was just the face. Because the Bible said they were speaking against God. So anybody that does not want to live up to the high moral standards of Jesus Christ and, but, but yet on the surface we're believers and we love God. But deep down they're in rebellion against the commandments of God Himself. And they manifest that by pushing against that law by their lifestyle and pushing against that law by their words. The manifestation of what's going on in the heart. So we have examples in history of when Israel came out of, the, of Egypt and then they fell in the wilderness because they murmured and complained. We have the history of Korah and his rebellion against God, God's word, pushing against that word and against the authority of God. And God, what did God? God opened up the earth and they fell straight into hell. Now, brothers and sisters, that man came out of Egypt. 
He was delivered by the blood of the Lamb. He was saved. But when he backslid and he rebelled against God and led people astray, then God said, I can't have that here. And he opened up the earth. When the angels left their first habit, their first estate, their place of order, their rightful place, and they came to the daughters of men, God said, I can't have that. I'm putting you in, a, in, a, in a prison. Because God has to judge that rebellion against His order, against His authority, against His word, against His commands. Amen? So watch. To these murmurers, complainers, these hard words that they say, these speeches against whom? God, against God. Their own mouth speaketh great swelling words, having, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. See? So they're going to rebel against the Word of God and the authority of God. Example after example here, historically and individually. Amen. Warnings that come to us not to give in to that kind of lifestyle. I don't want to follow the footsteps of the fallen angels, of Korah, of Balaam, of Cain. I don't want to follow in the footsteps. And God is warning us not to go down that path. When it talks about sweet, speaking great swelling words, it means that you take things out of proportion to reality. You're looking at things wrong. You have what you have reality, but you make proportionately that reality something that it's not. You exaggerate it. That's what it means, swelling words, man. Loud mouth boasters. Right? Amen? And then secondarily, not only are they resisting the Word of God by their life and by their words, the commandments of God, the morality that God requires. See, you and I put our stamp of approval on a, an ungodly lifestyle of sexual immorality. Women with women. Men with men. Men with beasts. Women with beasts. Etc., etc., etc. You live a lifestyle of ungodliness. If you go through the book of Jude, you're going to see God. Can, you have two things here. You have holiness or pollution. And they're bringing in pollution. God calls us to holiness. So they're giving people a license. They're leading people astray from the faith of Jesus Christ and denying Him. Now, so they say great swelling words. Secondarily, having men's person, persons in admiration because of what? Advantage. So what these people do is they side with each other because there's something in it for them. They would rather have the decisions of men over the Word of God. Now, brothers and sisters, I'll just tell you this. If somebody is ungodly and 
literally resist the Word of God by their life, the way that they live. You can watch the way they live. Are they living a Christian life or not? Are they living a Christian life? You can tell by what's coming out of their mouth. You with me? Now, if you side with an individual that is like that, that's like these intruders, you join them. Why are you joining them? You know they hate God. You know they resist God. You know that they push against the commandments of God. But yet you want to enter into an alliance with them? He said it's because of advantage. See, people do that. They, they side with the ungodly and ungodly lifestyles because there's an advantage to them. In this case, really it has to do with financial. You with me? What's in it for me? So I'll compromise the Word of God. I'll compromise the commandments of God. I'll com compromise my living because there's something in it for me. And I'm going to stop right there and I'm not going any further. But I'm going to tell you something. I watch people with my eyes. And I notice, I take, I take account of, and I don't always say to you, but I take account of who are they joining up with? Who are they siding with? Are they siding with the godly, the righteous, the holy? Or are they siding with the ungodly? And if they're siding with the ungodly, normally I have in my mind the ultimate reason why they're doing it. And that's as far as I'll go. But according to the book of Jude, it's because there's something in it for them. Now they won't come out and tell you that's why they're doing it. They'll, they'll say, well, we're motivated by love. Yeah. yeah. Okay, listen to me, brothers and sisters. We live in a time in church history when people want to talk about the cause of Christ or the way of Christ. The way of Christ. Like we're supposed to uh, put blinders on. You know. We're not supposed to correct anybody or say anything against anybody. Are you with me today? Let me show you the way of Christ. The way of Christ said about a man by the name of Herod, you go tell that fox. I do miracles today and tomorrow. And the third day I will be perfected. Oh, see, but people are being brainwashed in this hour by this so-called love and grace preaching. That you are to never say things like that. You're supposed to be tolerant to everybody. Not according to the way of Christ in the Bible. The way of the Christ, the Christ yes, love people. We need to love people. But the way of the Christ is, go tell that fox. The way of the Christ is this. Contend for the faith which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. The way of the Christ is to warn you. 
about intruders that are dangerous to you, that can lead you astray, that you are to censor in your life so that you are to give them no hearing and do not allow them to influence you in any way. That's the way of the Christ. It is not this pushover Christianity. He calls you and I to take a stand for the truth. Well, you know, I just, I just can't take a stand right now because, you know, I mean, you know, that might affect my pocketbook. Brothers and sisters, I want to tell you something. As your pastor, I have never made a decision based on money. I have corrected people and rebuked people in their lives and they were the biggest givers in the church. You hear me today? Because you cannot operate that way. You can't make decisions and choices based on money. You've got to be willing to pay a price for the faith. And these ungodly intruders, they're not about the will of God. They're not about the commandments of God. But they're talking about the love of God and the grace of God. And we need to accept everybody. That's all the Bible says. The way of Christ says, there's some people you need to stay away from. The way of Christ says, mark those that cause division contrary to the doctrine which you have been taught and avoid them. That's the way of Christ. Yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So, you know, yeah, whatever. But just so you know, everybody out there, just so you know, I'm an angry man. Let me just tell you, brothers and sisters, I'm going to preach this Word of God and the response is not up to me. It's up to you. You with me here today? And, and I am willing to pay the price. Nothing is going to stop me from preaching the truth. Amen? So this idea that you want to push on people that you lead people astray by is, well, we just we need to just all kind of get together and we need to accept each other and all just love each other. And, you know, let's, let's kind of look over each other's sin. That's not what the Bible teaches. Well, somebody said, well, you're not supposed to judge. The Bible says, see, they always want to quote the Bible. The Bible says, the Bible says you're not supposed to judge. The Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says, judge not lest ye be judged. didn't tell you not to judge. It just says if you judge, make sure that you're willing to be judged by the same judgment. Oh, but the way of, but the way of Jesus, the way of the Christ, is not to judge. You're lying on the Bible. You're preaching a Jesus that is not in this Bible. You're preaching a Jesus that's an idol that, that you can control. A Jesus of your own making. Are y'all hearing what I'm telling you tonight, today? Well, we're not supposed to judge anybody, really. Oh, okay. Where'd you get that? It says, judge not lest you be judged. For the same judgment that you judge, so will you be judged. You have to be, well, you have to judge. You have to be willing to be judged by that judgment. Say, praise God. 
The Bible says in Corinthians that a spiritual man judges all things. Spiritual man. Yet he is judged by no man. But you see, the way of Christ, according to some, is we don't judge. Now, I'm telling you, brothers and sisters, I read the book of Jude, I hear some, listen, I'll just put it to you this way. One theologian put it like this. He said, Jude went on a rant. He went on a rant against these people that would come into the body of Christ and lead them astray from the truth. Okay? He was a warrior. He was a soldier. And you have to be a soldier for Jesus Christ. The way of Christ. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name and done many wonderful things in thy name and cast out demons in thy name? You know, not necessarily that order, but you get it. Matthew 7. And the way of Christ is, depart from ye, ye lawless ones. Antinomians. Depart from me, ye lawless ones. Amen? For I know you not. That's the way of the Christ. The way of the Christ is entering at the straight gate. Amen? Wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. Narrow is the way, straight is the gate that leads to eternal life. That's the way of the Christ. These deceivers that lead multitudes of people away from the truth, the commandments, the law, the order of God is what Jude is talking about here today. And we are surrounded by them. They're in their church. They're not in here. But they won't stay. They won't stay. Praise God. So, listen, brothers and sisters, I'm not in this for numbers and I'm not in it for money. Because if I was, I'd do it a whole different way. I'd do it like these, these fellas right here. Let's have a big church. It's just a, let's, uh, you know, let's, uh, the way of Christ. Let's all lay down our doctrines. Really? Paul said, if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost, in whom the godless world has blinded the eyes of them. They will blind their eyes. You are in a war, friend. You are in a cosmic battle for your soul, your salvation, man. Not everybody is going to heaven. Few people are going to heaven. The way of the Christ. As in the days of Noah, so shall also be in the days of the coming of the Son of Man. As in the days of Lot. Eight souls were saved in the days of Lot. Uh, in, in the days of Noah. Eight. Only eight. 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 Jesus, God, destroyed the rest of them. 
the way of the Christ. Do not let them pull the wool over your eyes. Don't, don't, don't let anybody, I don't care who they are, lead you astray. Let me use the word brainwash you. They can't brainwash me because I know what's in this book. Are y'all with me today? Say praise the Lord. Amen. So, now, just so you know, I'm an angry preacher. Well, let me just say something to you today. When you read the New Testament, you read the book of Jude, you read the book of Revelation, you read the apocalypse is coming, you read through the Old Testament prophets. I got a question for you. Let's just look at the Gospels. The Gospels, the good news. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, right? When Jesus Christ came into the world, and He had all this opposition, this religious opposition that rose up against Him, did He edit it? Did He keep all that negative speech out of the Bible? When they said, You're of your father the devil! You do your works by Beelzebub, they said. Tatamon saying, You're of your father the devil. You understand? They said that Jesus was, was illegitimately born. Now my question to you then is when they inferred that he was his miracles were of the devil and that he was illegitimately born, did Jesus edit that from the New Testament? No, he let them spew those lies. And he didn't edit it. He left it in the Bible. You say, you see, that's what one thing that proves to me this Bible is the Word of God. Because if I was trying to protect something, a movement, wouldn't you want to keep all that negative stuff out? About the things they said about him? No, he said, record it. Let him say it. Because a line was being drawn. And those that would be in the kingdom would be in the kingdom. It didn't regard, it did not matter what the scribes and the Pharisees said. I don't think there was ever once one, uh, one Sadducee that was saved in the Bible. Pharisees, yes. The Sadducees, no. Sadducees didn't believe in the resurrection. They didn't believe in angels. Why didn't they believe in the resurrection? Because they didn't want to believe in a judgment to come. I don't believe one Sadducee was born in the Bible. Religious Sadducee. Some Pharisees, yes. They were saved. You with me here? But when they came and attacked Jesus, He let it be recorded. He looked at them and said, you're of your father, the devil. The way of the Christ. Said, 
you are of your father the devil. One day, he looks at his own disciple named Peter and says, Get thee behind me, Satan. His own disciple said, When you're talking, Peter, I hear the devil coming through your voice. The way of the Christ. You understand, brothers and sisters, that even though we're children of God, sometimes we can say things that do not that do not savor the things of God. That come out of our mouth. And you and I could be speaking by the enemy. That's why you need to speak what's in the Bible, what's in the Word of God. Amen. Praise the Lord. Speak the word of God, man, because that's the truth. But I'm just, I'm just saying to you, man. What, what if uh, Jesus were to walk up to you, little lamb, little lamb, and said, "Get thee behind me, Satan." Y'all, you savor not the things of God, but the things that be of men. Jesus, you hurt my feelings. You're supposed to love me. I'm just telling you that the Jesus that a lot of people are promoting is not the Jesus of this Bible. And the so-called way of the Christ that they promote is not the way of Christ at all. Look at your neighbor and tell him, say, God bless your heart. Glad you're here this morning. Now ask him a question. Are you angry yet? You're listening to an angry preacher. You ought to be angry. But he didn't edit any of that. He left it. He wasn't worried about his reputation. He wasn't worried about... Are you all with me? Wasn't worried about how that was going to affect his new movement, you know? No, man. The lines were being drawn. And he wanted everybody to know. Jesus wanted everybody to know the attack that he came in. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah to the Lamb. Right now, lines are being drawn. Hallelujah. And I want to be on the right side of God. And I want you to be on the right side of God. And I don't want anybody to be lost. But I'm going to tell you something. There's some people on their way to hell. Thinking they're going to heaven. Now what I want to do personally. Is I want to read this book of Jude. And I want to make sure that I don't fall into any of this. Okay. And if I do fall into any of this. I want to repent right now. You know, I'm not going to play the game, man. Hell is too hot and eternity is too long. Amen? So that's the truth. I just want you to think about that. I told my wife, God gave me a revelation of that just the other day. I told my wife, I said, Christina, I said, Jesus didn't edit anything out of the book of Matthew. All right. 
Thank you, Jesus. <clears throat> look at your neighbor say, say the, look at your neighbor and tell him the way of Christ. God is a good God, isn't he? So we have these people then, by their lifestyle, the way they live, and by what comes out of their mouth. They are pushing against God's word. Do you understand that? Hallelujah. This is about whose kingdom you're in. Whose side are you on? And brothers and sisters, you as a child of God right now, you have to be careful about allowing people that will lead you astray from obeying holiness. And that's why I spend some, you know, this stuff slows me down. Reading that extra biblical stuff slows me down when it comes to preaching. Okay, because I preach by the Spirit, by flow. That slows me down. But I wanted to show you what those followings brought to the world to lead you astray. And the Word of God is very clear that there's a judgment that is coming upon individuals just like that. Are y'all with me? God, help us today. The way of Christ. Is to love. To die. For sin. But the way of the Christ. Is not to tolerate. Sin and ungodliness. Are y'all with me? And to align ourselves with everybody. There are some people that you have to say. No you can't. Not in your condition. You can't get in my life. Are y'all awake today? Hallelujah. And I as your pastor. I as your pastor. Amen. Because I love you. And I have a right to tell you as your pastor. The word of God. Not my opinion. But the word of God. You know. Praise the Lord. You know, you, you, another thing you gotta, you gotta, you gotta remember today is I'm controlling all of you. You know, and uh, and like I said, and and like Sister Kathy said, boy, you are a failure, aren't you? And I said, yes, yeah, Sister Kathy, you're right. I'm a big failure when it comes to controlling people because I haven't been able to control anybody. <laughs> You know what I'm saying? So, but anyway, whatever, you know, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In the name of Jesus. We're living in some dangerous times. We're living in a, in a, these, these teachers came in with dreams and visions and, Charismata, charismatic, the charismatic experiences, contrary to the word of God. You go, look, look. I'm going to tell you something, brothers and sisters. I'm going to tell you this in love. You're going to have to really want to be saved in this hour. You're going to, have to really want to be saved. Look to your neighbor and ask him, do you want to be saved? I want to be saved. Hallelujah. You know, we we had a few guests this morning, and two of them left early. We still got a couple of them. God bless them, man. They 
They tough. They still here. No, I'm, I'm talking about y'all. Y'all still here. Yeah, the, the other ones, they left. You stayed. I'm really surprised. You, you got up a while ago. I guess you went to the restroom. I said, well, I lost another one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Serious days. We're living in serious days, brothers and sisters. But I thank God for the truth. I, I really do thank God. I thank God that He warns us that we are to contend for the faith which was once and for all delivered unto the saints. Amen. May the Lord bless you real good. I appreciate you staying and hearing the Word of God. Would you stand? The prophecy of Enoch. Brothers and sisters, the judgment's coming. It's coming. Don't let anybody brainwash you. You you get the word of God out. Don't just go by what I say. You get the word of God out and you study it for yourself. And you know the book of Enoch was cited here, so I went there. You can get the book of Enoch yourself. One, one, first Enoch and second Enoch. Read it yourself and do the comparisons yourself, right? Don't just go by what I say or what I tell you. Study for yourself. There is a major, major deception that is not coming. It's here. Lord bless you real good for being in the house of God. Do not give place to people that will mislead your faith. Amen. That will that lead you astray from obeying God's law and commandment. That will take you out of your place in your rightful order and orbit. And when I talk about your orbit, I'm talking about being in your heavenly position that God puts you in. You don't let anybody take you out of that. You're in the last days. You're going to have to fight the good fight of faith, brothers and sisters. And you're going to, as, as Jude said, you're going to have to contend for the faith. Literally means to agonize. Walk for it. And that's what we plan on doing in Jesus' name. By His grace. Let's pray. Father, we come before you right now. We ask your blessing, Lord, to rest upon your holy word. We give you all the glory and the honor and the praise and the worship for it. Thank you for this church. Thank you for your people, God, today. Help us to continue to be faithful unto you, Lord Jesus.